with our hearts set on that great truth that all we have is Christ, let's go before our great God in prayer, asking him for help this morning as we open up the word together. Father, we recognize, Lord, that we are dependent upon you. We're dependent upon your plan of salvation. We're dependent on the fact, even as we ourselves are sinful, we're not perfect. We ourselves don't have all the answers and we don't have everything together. We are needy, dependent people, dependent on you, our great God. And we recognize that all we have to bring today, all we have coming in week in, week out, and then every other day, every other day of the week, we recognize that we are dependent and all we have is Christ. All we have is the hope of salvation through Christ. Not us, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Because of what, Father, you have done in sending your Son for needy people like us. Hallelujah, Lord, all we have is Christ. We come to you now, oh God, that you would illuminate the truths on the pages of Scripture that we might be built up today in your word. We say this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to take a poll right up front. So be with me. Be ready to answer this poll. And I'm going to need hands. Okay? I'm going to give you two options. And you're going to pick the statement that you like best this morning. The one that best describes you and your preferences. Here they are. Number one. Does this describe you? I like it. When someone says something nice and positive about me. Or number two, I like it when someone says something critical and negative about me. Two choices. Now by show of hands, raise your hand if you prefer number one, the positive and nice. Raise your hand if you prefer number two, the the negative and critical. That's exactly what I thought. It's human nature to gravitate toward people who are our fans. And we have a natural innate bent towards desiring the approval and even flattery of others. Overcritical feedback, to be sure. But what do the Proverbs say? Proverbs 27 And verses 5 and 6 says this, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Okay. So do we want to take that poll over again right now? Do you see even how counterintuitive sometimes Scripture can be against our natural reaction and inclination. And I'm sure if you had a little bit more information there on the question, you would have answered differently. But the point is, 
we need to be conformed to Scripture and test our initial inclinations against the truths of the Word of God, right? We always have to do that. And this leads us to our passage this morning in Galatians chapter 4 to further build on this principle that we see in Proverbs that truth-telling, not flattery, is what we all need from our friends. This leads us to our first point here, and number one, imitate truth-tellers. Let's see this from our text in Galatians 4 and verses 12 through 16. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, You did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Surprisingly here, in a letter full of rebuke and correction, the passage here, I hope you just noticed, it takes a turn and it turns the corner and reveals a warm-hearted love and friendship amongst Paul and the Galatians. The well-known commentator, William Hendrickson, said this, this paragraph is one of the most gripping in all of Paul's epistles, particularly due to the contrast of the rather sharp reproof of verses 8 through 11 that is followed immediately by tender, urgent, intensely personal appeal. Do you see how personal those words we just read were? And if we could remember what we saw last time in our series, Paul was afraid that he may have labored over them in vain. He was wondering if they were even Christians, if they didn't repent and come back, it would have all been for nothing. Now, you see, he turns and calls them brothers. And we will even see later in this sermon that he betrays deep familial burden that he takes on himself for their good. Immensely personal. This is kind of like a sad movie where the current bad situation is met with a flashback of a a quick relief in the film. Have you ever seen a movie like that? You see the present situation and setting that's going on in the movie, and it's just a mess. It's, It's dark, it's hard, it's difficult, there's problems. And then, in the movie, there's a subtle rewind, and the film shows the characters in the past, a little younger, who were in a much happier and peaceful situation than they were in presently. It's kind of what Paul is doing here, and he's appealing to that kind of thing, to that happy past. Believe it or not, he mentions 
a time of close love and friendship that he had with the Galatians. And get this, the esteemed New Testament theologian and pastor Tom Schreiner even said in his excellent commentary on Galatians that he agrees with a few scholars who see the friendship theme as central in this passage. So the movie, so to speak, that we were thinking about transitions from a scene where Paul's former friends are rejecting Paul in his message. You could almost imagine a gritty and dark scene where the Galatian believers are turning away from Paul, turning their back on Paul and towards the false teachers in a false gospel because they have abandoned the gospel themselves. But in the past, before the false teachers ever came to the scene, the camera then pans over to the bright and happy movie scene where you see the Galatians believers and how they treated Paul even like family. They were dear friends. And not only had they accepted Paul's gospel, the gospel, but they also accepted him. They accepted Paul, and they actually cared for Paul as friends. Paul even appeals to a concrete example of how much they once loved and cared for him, practically speaking. We can say that we love people all day long, But if we are unwilling to help out suffering people that are right in front of us, how much do we really love them? Or how good of friends are we, really? The Galatians were good friends with Paul at one point. Paul reminds them of how they helped him when he, Paul himself, the apostle, was suffering a bodily ailment when he preached the gospel to them Initially. Now, we're not sure exactly what Paul's ailment was. Many suggest a lot of different possibilities. We're not going to go into it because we just don't know what it was. It's probably vague for a good reason. How many of us have suffered ailments or suffered difficulties in a variety of different ways? We all can relate to this situation. We don't know what he went through, but the point is that he was hurting and the Galatian friends helped him out. And in this flashback scene, it is said that the Galatians treated Paul as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. They were willing to do anything for Paul. They even sacrificed their very eyes. That's commitment. That's friendship. Let's just say that all means that they treated him really, really well. They cared for him well. And it's even through their care for Paul, the apostle, that Paul then preached the gospel to them in his missionary journey. Not, not just like, if you care for me, I'm going to preach the gospel, not that kind of thing. But it just providentially happened that he had an ailment there that, that kept him there for a time. They cared for him, and then he preached the gospel out of the abundance of his heart, even in the midst of ailment and suffering. Do you see the providence of God at work here? Paul's suffering or whatever his trial was, this ailment, his sickness or pain or irritation, whatever it was, it was severe. Whatever he was going through was really bad. His suffering led to God's good ends of gospel ministry. Do you see that? Of Paul bringing the Galatians the good news 
of the gospel for the very first time when they cared for him from his physical ailment. This is amazing. If we see it, God's providence, even through suffering of a servant of God. Now, we don't always know and understand the difficult trials that we face in our lives, do we? But I want us to hear from the Apostle Paul in his words that he learned about serious challenges in his life from 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. This is what he says there. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, Paul says, so that the power of Christ may rest Upon me. I'd say this example in Galatians is is a clear connection to Christ's power resting upon Paul in his weakness and severe ailment as the Lord used this severe, difficult detour of his life because of this ailment and even the burden that he could have potentially been to the Galatians as they had to care for him, God used that as a providential setting and the circumstances around that, that the gospel would be preached to them. And the Galatians were such good friends to Paul and caring for him, so kind to him and caring for him, that even though they were caring for Paul, And caring for him in a real tough ailment. You ever had to care for someone who is struggling with a serious sickness or ailment? Though it could be a burden. It could be a drag. It could put you out. It could have put the Galatians out. But Paul points out that they cared for him anyway. Like good friends. But here's the real deciding factor in true friendship, church. Not just an initial trial or burden that may happen at the beginning. But the question of true friendship is, what happens when the friendship gets real? At its surface, we can oftentimes put up a, a front, and we can put up with caring for someone when things are going really well in life and in the relationship. In a happy-go-lucky, easy types time and situation, it could be easy to be a friend. But what happens when there's conflict? Think about your life now. What happens when someone tells you something that you don't want to hear? Have you been there? Even if it's true. Because if it's true and someone tells you something that's true, that means that they are a real, genuine friend. Even if it's really annoying and hard to hear. Do you see that? The person giving you the truth in love is a real friend. A person who only tells you what you want to hear isn't a true friend. And we're going to see that really clearly soon. But notice here, Paul is calling the Galatians to be like him, a truth teller, as he has become like them. Paul laid aside the law to connect with and bring the gospel to Gentiles who did not have the law. And now, the primary Gentile church 
believe it or not, were foolishly going towards the law due to the false teachers' bad influence. But Paul tells them and warns them, not what they want to hear, but he tells them the truth. Now that's a true friend, isn't it? They were once kind and friendly with Paul, caring for him in his suffering. Now Paul was being a true friend by sternly telling them the truth. But you see, they didn't like that version of Paul, did they? They preferred Paul before he started with the rebuke and correction of them because of their false gospel. Look at verse 16 again for this. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Paul's like, I'm just trying to be your friend back to you here because I care for you. And now you're despising my counsel and turning away from me. Paul was giving open rebuke and the truthful, faithful wounds of a friend. See the Proverbs connection. The Galatians seemed to prefer, though, the profuse kisses of enemies that they thought were friends, but really weren't. Church, how do you receive the truth? Be honest with yourself. Even if it's hard, do you push back simply because someone says something that you just don't like to hear? Do you only want to hear things from people who give you all the warm and fuzzies all the time? And do you disregard people who tell you the truth in love? Are you always looking for people to pat you on the back and give you high fives, even when you're doing foolish things? If so, heed the warning that we see here in Galatians. Don't go that way. They went down that dead-end road. We're going to see that even further now here in our next point on into the text. And number two, avoid Deceptive flatterers. Look with me at verses 17 and 18 now for this. They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you. I shared with this with some of you on the way into church today then much to my surprise, this week's sermon in Galatians has become in part a sermon on friendship as we've already seen so far. And as some of us have been meeting in our weekly discipleship table talks meeting, and we just had this past Thursday a discussion of this, it's really good that your pastor has discovered something new this week in preparation from these next verses in the book of Galatians. What do I mean by that? Well, we're going over Mark Dever's book, What is a Healthy Church, right now. And the chapter and topic that we looked at was expository preaching. Which is the preaching we seek to put forward here at FBC Gallatin. In fact, it's one of the commitments of our church right at the top of our bulletin there. It's preaching where the main thrust of the sermon comes from the next verses in view that the pastor happens to be preaching from. And this is a good and healthy thing for all of us 
Because if I didn't do this kind of preaching, and if I just shot from the hip every single week, then we'd only hear what the preacher already knows as Mark Dever puts it in the book, and we discuss. And you don't want that. For every preacher has limited knowledge and experience. If I just talk to you each week about whatever I kind of felt like saying, just kind of came to my mind, you would only get hobby horse sermons and opinions that we'd run out of learning things really, really quick in my ministry because I'd run dry like every other preacher would run dry. But with expository preaching, I hope you can see there's a discovery process for all of us. I call my weekly work when I'm dealing with preparation for preaching, I call it discovery because that's what it is. And not only do I discover, but then you get to discover from God's word as the sermon is preached. The Lord uses that to feed us all with his agenda. You get to see what God's word actually says in in all of its intricacies. The things that we want to hear, the things that we don't want to hear, the things that we never really thought about. I hope you can see how good that is for us all. And right here in this passage, we have seen this very important truth about Christian friendships that I didn't even anticipate before preaching this passage. In fact, when I kind of outlined the series, I was going to preach these verses, but the sermon title was just truth-telling. Notice that the sermon title has changed from truth-telling to truth-telling friends because friendship is a huge theme in this passage that I was able to glean from in my discovery and then bring to you. God's word deals with us in amazing ways and it, and it hits us and it surprises us and it sharpens us and it equips us and it strengthens us even when we don't expect it. And as we've seen already in this sermon so far, friendship is the kind of thing Genuine friendship that we see from Paul in the initial Galatians is the kind of thing that we should all be trying to imitate in our lives, in all of our relationships. Now we see here in this point a kind of false friends that we should avoid. So we've seen some positive things about friendship. Now we're going to see some negative things as well. These false teachers were conniving and they tricked the Galatians to be used for their own selfish purposes. We just read that reality. Is that friendship, church? No, not at all. That's called manipulation, isn't it? Have you ever known someone who claimed to be your friend, who then you found out later that all they really cared about was themselves? You ever run into that? That's what these Judaizers were all about. They appealed to the Galatians' human desire for approval in order to pull one over on them. And Paul pointed out the hypocrisy and the deception and the selfish motives of these false teachers. They were only in it for the accolades. We're going to even see that later in the letter. They placed laws and regulations on them that were no longer in effect. They placed the Mosaic law expectations on them, but as we've already seen, that era of the law had already been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So they were messing all these things up. And the Galatians, you see, the Christians there were caught up in their flattery. We need to be careful that we don't get caught up in other people's flattery. They were manipulated into believing these false teachers. And these false teachers 
got exactly what they wanted from them. They received the esteem and praise and affirmation of the Galatians as these backslidden Galatian believers abandoned their true friend Paul and befriended instead these deceptive flatterers and false teachers with a false gospel because of their sin. Hear this, church. You too, if you have people that you call friends who do not encourage you with the gospel message that you first believed at your conversion and who will not tell you the hard truths that you need, that we need to hear because of our own sin. We all need people like that, don't we? We need that here. Even in this church, we need true friends who are truth tellers and not deceptive flatterers as these false teachers were. Why? Because of our sin. If we were perfect, we would expect just pats on the back all the time. But we're not. We need true friends to speak true truths into our lives. But if you have fake, deceptive, manipulative friends, or even family that are like that, that fall into that kind of flattery category, giving bad influence, moving you away from the gospel of Jesus Christ, I think the message that we need to take home and take to heart here, and and we need to heed a warning here, the lesson is that we should notice what's happening in those relationships and avoid so-called friends or even family or religious leaders and teachers or preachers who fall into this deceptive, manipulative, flattery category. Right? That's a clear implication from this passage. Now, there's nothing wrong with true admiration and someone saying something nice about you from good motives and from good things. We should, I've talked about that before. We, the scriptures reveal that we should be encouraging one another in truth, right? about real, legitimate things. But not puffing people up with flattery, like the false teachers. Paul even gives encouraging things in this letter that are true to them. We, we should do that too. But you see, the Galatians, they didn't want what Paul was giving them there. They wanted the flatterers instead, didn't they? This leads us now to our last point, to really just drive home the kind of people we should be seeking, not only as friends... Because we've seen here, right, the friendship theme relates. This relates to friendships, but also that we should be seeking in leaders of the church or pastors. Because, you see, the Galatians had followed after these false leaders and teachers and so-called preachers or missionaries. But Paul was calling them back to himself. We've, We've seen that already in the context. So true friendship relates. But the full thrust here and the meaning comes to its final head in these few verses, as we'll see the need for all of us, the need to, number three, esteem leaders and pastors who seek your Christian growth and good. Look with me at the last two verses here for that. In Galatians 4 and verses 19 and 20. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. We've seen here in this passage so far, haven't we, a tale of two kinds of leaders or pastors or missionaries in the church. 
one who will tell you what you want to hear, stroke your ego, give you all the happy feelings inside by simply telling you things that make you feel good about yourself because they are intentionally using manipulative flattery on you. That's one kind of church leader. Then on the other hand, you have the Apostle Paul who is suffering in the most extreme kind of way on their behalf. Or so I've heard, right? I mean, I've never experienced labor and delivery for myself. I was there for all six of my children being born, yes. But I didn't feel the labor pains myself. I may have gained the typical typical sympathy dad weight, so to speak, or use that as an excuse. But I never felt the contractions. I never went through the sharp pains of transition, that, that last moment before delivery. Ah, that's painful. Or so it seems as I've seen my wife in that situation many times. And I certainly didn't have anybody walking me through breathing techniques for my own future experience, though I was there for some of those to learn some of that stuff to help my wife. I never had to go through that so that I could deliver a child. But as a true pastor, I hope you see that this analogy that Paul gives in his care for the Galatians was something even more than a true friend, isn't it? And even more than a distant relative, right? Rather, his analogy here is that of their very mother. experiencing the intense pain and suffering on their behalf. A true pastor or a true leader in the church or a missionary on the missions field is someone who actually cares about those that they are ministering to. That's an important prerequisite for leadership of any kind in the church. Someone who not only says that they care, but who actually suffers on behalf of those they minister to because of their great love For them. Paul was a true leader, wasn't he? He was a true friend. He was the real deal. And how did Paul show it? Was it simply by his words? Was it in agreeing with everybody who was around him? Was it by just being polite and always sweet and non-confrontational? Is that how Paul showed his love and friendship? Not at all. Paul as we've been seeing through Galatians, splash the cold water, that cup of cold water in their faces throughout this letter. He told them that he was astonished at them departing from the gospel. He told them that they were being foolish and fools, not even sure if his labor and all his work that he'd done in front of them and to them would even bear any fruit because if they didn't repent and believe, then it would have been In that regard, fruitless is what he was saying. It would have been labor in vain. Paul did not mince words, did he? And throughout the book of Galatians, and we've seen that, and we're going to continue to see that. Hear this, church. Good pastors will not mince words with you either. If you want a preacher to tell you what you want to hear and preach sermons of his own preferences and feelings and gut instinct all the time and have nice short stories all the time and cute anecdotes only. Not that stories and illustrations are wrong, but if that's just what you're looking for and that's all they're giving you, then you are wanting the wrong thing from the pastors and teachers and they're giving you the wrong thing as well. 
It can't be any clearer from the passage. And you'd be falling in the Galatian trap if that's what you want, doing exactly what they did, falling hook, line, and sinker for the flattery and deception of false teachers who don't truly love you. Instead, you should want someone to tell you the truth, and you should only follow someone who gives you the truth, who actually gives you the truth as well. You need it. We need it. I need it. Are they giving you the truth of the Bible or their own agenda? Are they willing to tell you hard truths from Scripture, even if it's not popular? There's a lot of things in the Bible that's not popular. Are they willing to correct and rebuke you when you are going down a bad path? That is what you should be. That is what we should be, First Baptist Church, esteeming in our leaders in this church and and leaders anywhere else throughout the world in church and any future leaders that would come in this church. That's what we should love and care and expect and esteem. You see, that's what I seek to be. That's what Pastor Wood seeks to be. But I want to be clear here. This is not all hard-nosed truths from leaders. It's also heartfelt care and willingness to suffer and expend themselves for your good out of real love, not flattery. In 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul also uses this parental language as an analogy of his and other leaders in the church care for Christians. And I think that 1 Thessalonians 2 is probably and quite possibly one of the most informative insights into the leadership in the church, at least their heart towards their people. The analogy that we've seen in Galatians and we're going to see here is even shocking. But it's so wonderful at the same time. It's glorious and I want you to see it. Because I want you to expect it, church. And I want you to esteem it. Every one of us, as the scriptures reveal, to change our gut instinct about what we think we want. And lean in and love and promote what we know that we need from his word. Let's see it from Second or 1 Thessalonians 2. In verse 11, the Apostle Paul says this, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Do you see that familial, parental reality there that a true leader should be? The false teachers were not fathers to these Galatians. They just took what they could from them for their own greedy gain. But we see here, that's not the case with Paul. Not only was the Apostle Paul a true friend, he was a father to them, wasn't he? And if you think that language is pointing to and seeing extremely the kind of loving care and disposition that true pastors or leaders or missionaries or any leaders in the church, um, in contrast to the false, if you think that reveals that wonderfully, and it does, that picture of father. But I want you to see also here that he adds to this picture also, and he has also this picture in 1 Thessalonians 2, 5 through 8, that we see this even more. Let's see it from the text, 1 Thessalonians 2, 5 to 8, it says, For we never came with words of flattery. You see that? See the connection? As you know, nor with pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether 
from you or from others. Though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you. Look at it. Like a nursing mother caring for their own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Do you see that, church? It's undeniable that true friends, or or true leader pastors even, are not in it for greedy gain. They're not in it for flattery or manipulation. Like these false teachers were. It reveals to us who we should follow. It reveals to us who really cares. You see the connection even in our text here. We just saw in Galatians, Paul as a mother in labor pains for the people. And if you thought that was severe enough in his care for the people on their behalf for the Galatians, his love for them, his care for them, his willingness to suffer for them, add to it here the image of a nursing mother taking care of her children. You don't get more caring than that. A dependent child needing all their sustenance from their mother, and if they don't get it, they will die. Paul, in this illustration, likens ministers, pastors, leaders, that that should be their heart towards the people of God. And you should expect that from us, church to share our own lives with you and care deeply for you, to pour ourselves out for you. So now, after being here just a little over two years and going through my first global pandemic um, in my life and first pandemic as a pastor, I can tell you, church, that, that I love you. I love each and every one of the blood-bought sinners who've been redeemed by Christ and who are believers here, members of our church, and even those who are not members that are believers that I love. I love you. Pastor Wood loves you. God has given us as pastors to do just that. Our hearts are for you. Our hearts are growing for you and towards you. We love you, church. This is our call. Not perfectly, we want to grow, but our hearts are for you. I want to see you nourished and discipled and cared for deeply. We want to be there for you. This is the clear goal of the Apostle Paul here with the Galatian church, isn't it? He wants them to be mature in Christ. He wants to see Christ formed in them. And sadly, the road that these Galatians were going down was the opposite of this growth, was the opposite of this Christ formation, isn't it? Paul was working hard and even suffering on their behalf with a heartfelt letter that he's writing to them and desire to see them and be with them face to face so he could speak tenderly to them to help them encourage them as a true leader and a dear friend. That's my heart towards you. That's Pastor Wood's heart towards you 
as well. Pastor Wood has been here a little longer than I think around seven years or over. And we've been talking about that a little bit. And he knows many of you more than I know you because he's been here longer and he's been in your lives longer. And I strive alongside Pastor Wood, the both of us, to continue to love you and care for you for the years ahead for the glory of God and for your good and care because that is how God has intended it to be for pastors. This is our heart for you. To love you and long to do spiritual good to each and every last one of you and anyone else who should come into the membership of our church and that we should be in contact with here in Galatians. We, as your pastors, want to see Christ formed in you. This is why we preach and teach the word of God. God has called us as your pastors, to preach the word to you for your edification and good. This is why we disciple. Rather, this is discipling, isn't it? To do spiritual good by pointing you and others to Jesus Christ. This is why we counsel the word and get to know you even in your struggles and pain and suffering and hardships in your marriages and your parenting in your workplace in your community. It's why we're there for you in that way because we love you. We want to see Christ formed in you. Like parents want to see their children to grow, so too true leaders and pastors and even us, we desire that in your Life. It's what we long for and love. This is why we evangelize. We want people to trust the gospel. We want more unbelievers in Gallatin to be saved and to be engrafted into a Bible-believing and teaching local church. This is why we go and want to visit with you and spend time with you and be there for you. Why? Because we love you. This is what we're called to do. This is what God has given us to do. Because we want to be the kind of truth-telling, true friends that Paul was to the Galatians. We want to be that to you. It's our life's call, desire, and joy. So back now to our opening poll that we took. Would you rather have words of flattery, positive stuff only, or the true words of a real friend? I hope we've seen here from Scripture that we should all esteem truth-telling friends, and avoid the flatterers together. And more importantly, I hope that we can see the call for all of us to be truth-telling friends to others in our church and family and community for the glory of God. Let's pray to that end. Father, we are so thankful and even surprised at truths that you reveal to us in your word and the way that a directly hits us right in our personal lives. It, it connects. Your word is sufficient. It is enough for us in life and doctrine. You've given us what we need. You've, you've shown us from your word truths that transform our lives. Lord, would you use the truths that were just preached from your holy and inspired word, would you use it to press the hearts and consciences of everyone in this room? so that they would see what you have called them to do, so they can see what we are called to as a church, as a city set on the hill, as witnesses to a fallen world. Would you help us all at First Baptist Church of Gallatin, Lord? Would you help us all to be a witness? Would you help us all to be true friends? Would you help us all to glorify you 
in these significant Christian relationships. We say this in Christ's name. Amen.